Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life. And the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you Hey, everybody. You how. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and really going to give you a good lesson in teaching today. And today, I don't have any guests. This is just me going solo. And I'm going to talk about something that I'm really passionate about and something our company has done a lot of, which is in the student housing space. And so, I really want to open up and explore and talk about student housing, why I like it, what it's done, where we've been, where we've gone, and really where the industry is heading and where I see opportunity, as well as a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how this thing works, how student housing really works, staffing, things like that. So guys, you're going to want to pay attention to this episode because I think it's going to be, I know I'm going to fill it with a lot of nuggets that you guys are really going to enjoy and like. So, But before we do that though, a word from our sponsors. Are you ready to take your multifamily game to the next level and learn the amazing results of living the cash flow life? Apartment investing can change your life. I know for a fact it's changed mine, and I would like to share my extraordinary journey with you and the clues I've learned along the way by giving you my book, Copy Your Way to Success, for free. So text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 480-500-1127. Again, that's the word book, B-O-O-K to 480-500-1127. And my team will ship it to you absolutely free as a way to say thank you for listening to this podcast. And remember, your paradise is possible. All right, we're back. So that sponsor is me, guys, by the way. So really, if you guys are looking for a great book, that book, Copy Your Way to Success, is an amazing book, and I just highly recommend it. I wrote every word of it. It was not ghostwritten, and I really think you get a lot of value of it. It really explaining the journey, and there's a lot of nuggets along the way to discover your journey, right? And what does that look for you? So again, highly recommend you get the book, and I would love for you to take me up on that free offer. All right, so let's get into student housing a little bit and understand why I think that asset class, especially right now, where we're at in today's marketplace, why I think that's not a bad idea. And the reason for that is historically, when you look at market corrections, right, when there's maybe some softening of the economy, which we all know is kind of maybe we're a little bit in it. It's it's kind of a weird market right now. Everybody thinks that it's coming. It may come hard, It may come slowly, but I think that we can all agree that a slowdown is occurring or at least a resetting in that people's dollars are getting cut and the economy is slowing down. And so with that, with slowing downs of economy, if we think about kind of the reverse psychology and really why I like the student housing space is it's not as affected by what's happening in the marketplace. In fact, yet... When things are going good, right, college enrollment actually goes down a little bit. It is when the economy is soft or not great. If you look at campuses all across the United States, you will see an uptick in enrollment in down period of times, right, in economic downturns. And why is that? Well, I truly believe that's everybody saying, oh gosh, I've got to retrain. I've got to retool. Maybe I need to become 
a doctor, a dentist. Maybe I need to become a nurse or whatever it is. Maybe I need to go get my master's. People go to college for all different reasons, but some of the biggest catalysts is not the good stuff based out of failure or like, I got to go do something different. And so an economic downturn can lead to increased occupancy for colleges, which actually increases our occupancy for student housing. Now, some of the things about student housing that I think location, 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 that is the three factors of how to have successful student housing. You've got to be very, very, very close to the college that you're servicing. If you are not extremely close within two to three miles, and in some markets, you need to be even closer than that, you may be too far away. You may be too far away. You've got to be on a bus route. You've got to be some things like that. But if you're in the right location and the market is decent, right? And you're in the right type of school, your properties will tend to stay full all the time. Now, I say that and I want to premise something first. We have uh, seven out of our 10 assets are student housing properties. And unfortunately, when COVID now, so I gave you some of the good factors and I'm going to give you actually, let me give you a couple more good factors and I'm going to go to the dark side. So the other benefits of student housing, in my opinion, is everybody signs a one-year lease when this is done correctly. And we rent it by the bed, by the way. We don't rent it by the unit. We rent it by the bed and they have a shared living space with other college roommates. Okay. So you rent it by the bed. They're held responsible for their bed. You have two locks, one into the main living quarters and one is to your bedroom. That's your two locks that you have. But mom and dad, so they sell, they sign 12 month leases, even though schools usually eight months, right? And they normally will have a co-signer. Mom and dad will co-sign for that lease. Now that, my friends, is paramount to the whole project. We all know college kids tends to probably break things or they maybe consume a little bit too much alcohol. Maybe they could punch a hole in a wall or things of that nature. And with the way we set it up, mom and dad pay, right? Or the kid pays. And so it truly can be a very, very rewarding type of venture. And honestly, if you look back to another benefits is 70% of our students are probably yeah, right at 70% are women, right? They're young women coming in. And so I would say, I'll call it hover mom and dad mentality, but my daughter is going to stay in a nice place, all right? And they're looking for safety. So if you can address these young girl's safety, meaning you've got some security on site or you've got lots of cameras, you've got proper lighting, and you make your property, uh, position your property as that, you can win a lot of business. And so for those factors alone, I think that student housing is a great way to grow your portfolio and very steady. And so we do some events that we go to for student housing and the economic picture is very good for our marketplace. All right, so let's talk about some of the negatives though, because I want to give you full disclosure of the picture. So some of the negatives are that college enrollment overall is going down, right? And that is somewhat true. And it all depends on the market and the area. So college enrollment is not what it used to be. Not everybody's going to college now. And so if that's the case, then your proximity to college is paramount, right? It has to be, again, location, location, location. So if you can get that right, you can solve for that part of it, right? But 
Also, colleges are getting out of the student housing game. They don't really enjoy doing dorms and all the things required for living. And so in a lot of colleges, it's been very nice because the universities themselves don't really want to get into landlording. They're not really great at it. And if you've ever been to the dorms, you understand dorm life is different from living in a amenities type of property. And most student housing properties for college kids have lots of amenities. That's one of the draws because we're driving on emotion of, I don't want to live in the dorms. I want to kind of live. A lot of times this is their first outing for their young adult kids. And I know this because I just sent my daughter to NAU in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I don't own a property there. So guess what? I'm paying for her housing and she's renting by the bed as well. So I know this works and I know people do it all the time. And so I just really wanted to make sure that you understand kind of the dynamics of it. So also the other downfall for student housing is you get one shot. You get a lease up, right? Meaning school starts in August. And so everything you're doing, once school starts in August, we usually have September, we kind of get everything right. And then by October, we're now starting what's called pre-leasing for the following year. And that goes all the way on till next year, till the next August. And you only have one shot because whatever you end up with your occupancy or pre-leased in August is what you keep for the whole year. So it's very intense towards that end of like we're right now, it is getting ready to be April, so April, May, June, July. We have three or four months left to finish out and hit our occupancy numbers for our properties. And so it's very intense. All these last leases that we're getting now, super, super important. And it's like a floodgate of leases coming in. So it's very, lots of activity happening right now while these kids are still in school. Okay. So you get one shot at it. But if you're in the right location with the right school and the right college, it works out really, really well. Now, some of the struggles we've had, right, is we just, what just happened that was a major, major event that none of us planned for, which is COVID. And I am going to tell you that Corey got hit COVID hard. Now, student housing got hit for one year really, really hard. And in the smaller markets, I've got properties and I call D2 schools or smaller markets, they got hit even harder. We had two years, like we had one property that was 100% three years in a row, and then all of a sudden went to 45%. And the next year, 45%. Now this year, it's 75%. And coming to this August, we're going to be back to 97. So we're finally back healthy. And I got two or three properties that are like that in my portfolio where they're smaller schools. And so school size does matter, by the way. And we also got thrown a once in a lifetime ringer called COVID. So it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle for my timing couldn't have been more impeccable. Sometimes I think God maybe has does this to me on purpose to test my metal, <laughs> but I'm not. So even though that's the worst thing that can happen, I didn't lose any of my assets. I still have them and we're going to survive and we're getting ready to thrive. And that part that I'm really excited about this August, our portfolio will be healthy all across the board for our student housing sector. And it will probably remain that way. I don't see anything happening that's going to discourage our trajectory that we're on now. Now, with that said, student housing is a little bit different animal because it's way more about people and a reputation and word gets out. So you got to really protect your reputation. And it's a lot more about marketing. 
And so marketing is probably more of an important piece. You've got to really good at this or have a property management company that's great at it to really kill it, to kill it. And you have a very good team as far as sales and marketing and a sales process to take leads and convert them into actually leases. And so now, as most of you guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, we just took over all our property management on our student housing portfolio. Why? We wanted more control. Need to have it. Had to have it, right? And I'm not saying that all property management is bad, but I'm just saying they're not always yoked the same way in the outcome of stuff. A lot of property management companies, they're fee-based, right? I mean, they really are. And so they don't care what the property does because they're going to get their fees regardless. And if that's the case, it's not always equally yoked and you have to push really hard to get change and get the numbers that you want as an owner. And that's always been the case for me and it's always been fine. But I finally got to a point where our portfolio is big enough that we can actually vertically integrate and bring property management in-house. Now, by doing that, I've learned so much and we're going to do some start doing some series with some of my staff. I really want to give you guys an inside look at the people and what they do and how they do it and what does good look like. So you can kind of hear some of these stories and understand the value in what people can bring and why it should be done a certain way. And so as we keep building this out, we're going to try to give you guys that content so you guys have a good, nice resource of, hey, here's what works really well and here's what doesn't. Because we'll talk about the good, bad, and the ugly like we always do. So if that's the case, so those are the rewards. The struggles would be is your people, right? But when you do this thing right and you've got a good sales team, because here's the thing. So student housing is way more about, we have what's called, so let me just kind of give you the team members and what it looks like. So you have your property manager. A lot of times you may have an an AGM, assistant general manager, APM, assistant property manager, just an assistant, right? That usually does leasing and collections, but honestly, we've taken away that role. As we've integrated our property management, we believe that accounts payable should be done in-house. So we're taking that away from all our property managers. It's not happened yet, but we have a plan to do it in the next 60 days, 60 to 90 days, where we'll take all AP duties away from our property managers. And why is that? Well, so think about it. If a property manager's job is to always sit there and, and enter all the bills and like be in the office with their heads down doing data entry, which is low-level stuff, by the way. And honestly, if you looked at the property profile, the profile index that we hire for. Property managers, we hire for a pretty decent size preciseness or accuracy, someone that likes paperwork, but it's not our main driver. And truly, we want salespeople. We want more salespeople, sociable people, leaders, people that can lead people. And those profiles, those types of people don't always tend to be great accounting people, like data entry stuff. And so, Here you hire them for one thing, but you're making them do another thing that's really out of the scope. And it's not something they really enjoy or, quite frankly, are really good at. So when we look at that, we're like, gosh. And then as from accounting side, think about this. My accounting team or my controller now has to train 10, seven different property managers or 10 property managers how to do accounts payable. And they're all going to have different levels or degrees of they're good or not good. And it's just going to be a constant. P-I-A, pain in the you-know-what. And so why put ourselves through that? When we can hire one person, maybe two, that is great at AP. And guess who's good at AP? Filipinos. Filipinos. Don't think I'm absolutely going to hire in the interviewing process of some great people that we have in the Philippines to do good, precise work 
in accounts payable, taking these invoices, coding them correctly, putting them in the, in the system correctly, and that's all they do. And if we have the same chart of accounts on all properties and the same type of systems that we run through all properties, it's a lot easier to train one or two people to do it not just great, but excellent to a very high level, to a very high standard with very few mistakes. Now that's called efficiency, but what does it do for us at the property level? Well, it now allows our property managers to get their heads out of their you-know-what so they can actually see what's going on. And they can like look at the people and the staff. Now their head's up and they see things in a whole different light. And I'm telling you, that is the difference. What makes your properties really succeed is when your leader, your property manager is actually doing that leading properties to succeed, making sure they understand the people, your vendors that come onto the property, holding those vendors accountable, making sure things get done right and things are not all Kathy Wampus. That's the job. And unfortunately, at most properties that I've ever been to, they sit behind a desk doing something they don't like and we wonder why we have turnover. So, I'm going to stop that, right? So I just jumped on this little topic and you know, sometimes I don't know where this thing goes. And I'm just like, man, I can feel myself getting passionate about what I'm doing as I'm just kind of reflecting on what I just said. And guys, I love this business, by the way. I don't know if you guys can feel it. I love this business. I love the people business too. I really do enjoy watching my team win, hearing it in their voice and sharing my belief in them and then challenge them to be more than just a property manager right? To be a business manager because they're running multi-million dollar businesses. They really are. And so giving our those property managers that love and attention and that affection and that belief, I'm telling you, inspires them to be great. So I think as an owner, your biggest job as an owner is to champion your people. And even if it's third party, still champion the people that are at your property and let them know that you believe in them and that you're wanting them to be the best. And that, my friends, goes a long way. So you have your property manager, AGM, right? Then you have a leasing manager, right? Their job is to make sure that they get signed leases, but a lot of times they're leading their leasing team. And for that, most of them have what's called CAs or community ambassadors. Now, your CAs are your young, most of the time, college girls that are actually working part-time. You have two or three of them on site all the time and they're working. And that's your like legs to the college. And those girls, most of the time they're girls, there can be guys too. But that team will help solidify you in the marketplace. And when you bring in the right ones, man, it's a magic what can happen. And so we have this one property where we hired a girl that was in a sorority. And all of a sudden, we've got all the sorority people coming to our property. We're like, perfect. Love it. Right? And because she had influence and she was outgoing person. And those people, their CAs are usually in charge of our social media. And that's what we do a lot of. I mean, if we're on Instagram, like we got to be where college kids are at and that's Insta. We do Facebook as well, but TikTok, right? So we do all that stuff and we do it daily and we try to make it fun. We make it, we have usually maintenance Mondays, right? Where we try to highlight our maintenance team and just, we really try to do a phenomenal job with marketing and in that space because it goes a long way. Now, the more important thing is to get your staff or the people that live at your property involved in your TikToks and your videos, get them to be the show. And so that really is the job is to come up with ideas to how do we get the people involved in our properties, right, that live there into the game, right? And then you have your maintenance staff. You usually have a maintenance supervisor and then a tech, 
right? Sometimes you have more than that, but that's maybe a porter. Someone just really, their job is to clean grounds. Now, because I'll tell you, the one thing with student properties, man, they get a little crazy at night, especially on the weekends. And so there's trash. You got to pick up trash constantly. And it's everybody's job to pick up trash. That is absolutely everybody's job. But here's the thing, man, it is so amazing what you can do when you get your team activated. And so what I mean by that too is like, think about maintenance guys, right? Your maintenance staff are probably your most underutilized, underrated people on your team. And if you will get them in the game, like get them actively in your game, they will do, because your maintenance guys know everything. They know who's smoking weed, who doesn't smoke weed, who's got problems, like, because they're in the units. They see this stuff, guys. They know what's going on at the property level that no one else knows, and so, and I always think about like property reviews. One of the things you always want property is like, I need a five-star review or I need a five-star review. Who's the person that can get every five-star review every time, every maintenance call? Maintenance. And so we've got to the point where we started teaching our maintenance guys how to do this. Like I'm doing this work. Hey, you know, thanks for getting it done. Thanks for coming to make this repair for us. Hey, no problem. Hey, would you mind giving me a five-star review? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. Great. Grab your phone. Hold on, grab your phone, go here, go to this website. We show them how to find our Google reviews quickly and we teach them how to do this and then click here, click here. All right, now take a picture of me doing the work. Boom, and leave a quick comment. Gotta leave a comment. Thanks so much, right? Appreciate it. So that's what our maintenance guys are starting to do. And we got them in the game. You guys know that like our Google ratings are important and you guys are vitally important to making that happen. And so we get them in the game and everybody wants to feel a sense of ownership. And like, I did that. And so when we show them the way that they can be part of that team and then we reward them for that, give them a little bonus or take them out to dinner, let them know that great job, that moves mountains for people, guys. It really will change the game. And so as I get a little bit older and I'm starting to dial in people, I realize that that's my job and I really actually enjoy it. I enjoy leading people and letting them, empowering them getting them to believe in themselves more than they probably believe in themselves. In other words, I believe in you more than you probably believe in yourself. That's empowering, by the way. And when people hear that, and if you keep telling them that, then they'll start to believe it. And then they'll start acting different, guys. I see this time and time again, and it is amazing what the results come from it. So positive reinforcement of your staff is vital to success. Vital, vital, vital to success. It can change your property's perception and reality really, really quick. Okay, so the other parts that I love about the student housing side of things, and I'll leave this as we kind of run to the end of this, is that if you're raising rents per bed, right? So you have a four bedroom, four bath unit. Your costs are usually costs per door, right? So you're splitting your cost when it comes to operations. Because if you had like a three bedroom, two bath, apartment unit, it's still three bedroom, two bath. This is pretty much the same as it is with a four and four, but you're getting four times the rent. But when you increase the rents per bed, say it's 10 or $15, right? Times four beds though, right? 15 times four is 60 bucks. That's a nice increase. That's $60 increase and, you, and it's only $15 per person. Huge. So your rents, as time goes on, as you hold these student housing properties, your rent's going to grow up exponentially and your costs are going to go more static, more static, just, you know, two or 3% increase. So you're getting a much bigger increase on your rents than you are in your costs as your costs go up from year to year. 
So it's a great analogy of why I think student housing really works. And I find that it's a really nice segment to be in. I'm very glad that we've decided to kind of get into the game. It is labor intensive and we've not talked about turn, but like everybody moves out at one time and they move in. And so that is a lot of work. And everybody knows that it's a lot of work and we do it a little bit differently than most. And this year we're going to really do it as a team and get everybody involved. So our CAs, everybody's cleaning, everybody's doing work and they're going to be tired, but they're going to feel like we did it. And I think that's, it does take a different type of person that loves students. Usually people like students don't like to be like just sitting there all day saying, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do. Student housing people are like, no, I love it because it's fast paced. I like always doing something. I always like something going on. I like the interaction. People come to the office. The interactions, they like that, that juices them. And so those are the kinds of people you have to hire to run your student housing properties. And when you do it right, it can be an amazing, amazing thing. So guys, hopefully you got a lot out of that, this little podcast. And I'm going to start bringing some of my team on to the podcast and interviewing them. I'm going to probably start with my controller, Devon. We're going to talk about where the dead bodies are buried. Just talking about accounts payable, accounts receivable, things that you can go wrong in accounting. We're going to bring on Candy, my asset manager that actually just moved up to my COO in the property management side. And then we're actually going to go down into the property level. And I'm going to start highlighting some of my great people at the property level that I want to bring on the podcast and let them share their kahuna story and why it matters to them and what they believe. Because I think you guys will find a lot of value of going to the property level and not just hearing it from me, my friends, but from hearing it from the people that actually do the work, right? Guys, that's why we do it is to give you these valuable nuggets. This is why I love this podcast. I can't tell you how proud I am to be doing this thing for as long as we've done this. This is like our third year going on our fourth year of podcasting. And if you guys have found value in this, please give us a like, share, share this episode. Hopefully it goes out. And I can't thank you enough for listening to me and what we have to offer. So guys, as I, as I do every podcast, I just want to tell you, man, apartment investing has been an amazing, just investing for cash flow, trying to live a different life and actually living it and doing it, fulfilling my dream and living my dream. It's worth it. All of it is worth it. And I'm just telling you, it's worth it for you as well guys, but it starts with a dream. It starts with an idea. And then you take that idea and you feed it and you manifest it and it gets bigger and it grows. And that's where success happens, guys. I'm telling you right now, nothing happens by chance. You're listening to this podcast for a reason. Don't stop, right? Keep doing the work. Success will come and find you and it'll be like a good friend. You look at it and be like, nice to know you. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible.